Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, picture this. A slice of life complete with bands, floats, dignitaries, and sirens all finding their place in the procession. Moms and dads, grandparents, townspeople, and curious onlookers line the sidewalks and curbs. Children can't sit still, playing chase in the street before the parade starts. And finally, the whistle of the drum major and the sound of brass announced that the spectacle is about to begin. Who doesn't love a good parade? Parades are the stuff of Americana as we celebrate holidays, hometown spirit. But today's parade is different. This sacred Palm Sunday parade is very different. There's no marching bands, no decorated floats, nobody throwing candy. There's no homecoming court or queen, no... uh, waving uh, parade marshal from a convertible. This is a different parade, to be sure. A poor man's parade with palms cut down from trees, cloaks thrown on the road, and beggars wide-eyed with excitement. Royalty will certainly be in this parade, but not one elected by popular vote or dynasty, but one who comes riding on the back of a donkey. This prearranged mode of transportation and procession into Jerusalem reminds the crowds of the stories of King David and his victory parades, where he too would ride on a donkey as a sign of humility before God. Could it be? Could it be that this humble carpenter from a nowhere place like Nazareth could be the new David, be the long-awaited Messiah? These innocent-looking crowds with palms waving and people shouting offer a glimpse of revolution. Reflecting on Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem, one senses the irony of it all. The Romans have security forces uh, added to maintain order during this Passover festival. The powerful like to keep the powerless in their place, safe from disturbing and uneasy peace. But here comes Jesus. This picture of powerlessness as he rides on a donkey under the very noses of the Roman soldiers. And until this day, until this moment, the followers of Jesus had been just that. Followers. Largely passive and reflective. They had followed Jesus all over Palestine, learning, listening, witnessing. When, they, when Jesus argued with the civil and religious officials, they watched. When he defended a prostitute, they gasped. When he conversed in public with a woman from Samaria, they winced. When he defied the Sabbath laws, they cringed. When he ate with tax collectors they, and declared that the last shall be first and the first last, they glanced around guardedly to see who was listening and watching. When he touched lepers and healed those of broken bodies, they whispered and fascinated all. But now he's raised Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus, who spent four days in the tomb, is now walking among the Passover crowd of over two million people from all over the Mediterranean basin. So now there's no hiding. 
If you're a follower of Jesus, you're under suspicion of both the Romans and the Jewish authority. <coughs> and so while Pentecost may be very well described as the beginning of the church, the church's birthday, Palm Sunday is the day the followers of Jesus made a revolutionary change. In this parade of palms and praises, of hosannas and psalms, the followers of Jesus made public that their heart, their allegiance, belonged not to Caesar, not to that pretend God, but to Jesus, the very Prince of Peace. For the past three years, from the day Jesus called them from their fishing nets and their tax booths, the commitment to follow Jesus had been personal, intimate, private. But on this day, on Palm Sunday, the commitment to follow Jesus becomes public and absolute. Likewise, when we wave our palms and shout Hosanna to the Son of David, we are participating in a subversive act. The waving of palm branches makes a statement of loyalty, of absolute submission, of praise and worship worthy of one's Lord and King. And so on this Palm Sunday, just like on the first, we are boldly claiming that Jesus, and only Jesus, is Lord and King. And that power, status, money, military force, or government are not. The parade of palms that we remember and reenact this morning is not just a flowery yearly ritual, but a revolutionary statement declaring the lordship of Jesus in every single aspect of our lives. Our Lord and King comes to us, and he is salvation himself. So today, we are saying that Jesus is the Lord of our life, the Lord of our eternal lives. And when we do this as the church, individually and collectively, we become part of a movement where we boldly profess that Jesus is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. Now, of course, there are other choices. A simple heart will wave a palm branch for almost anyone. The simple heart will wave a palm branch in response to being made to feel comfortable. Especially, that means not having to change. Our simple hearts would gladly welcome a Lord and King who would pull us out of the dire financial straits, reduce our mortgage, pay for our health care, protect us from terrorists and violence in the streets. Our simple hearts desire a Lord and King who will not judge, but just look the other way when we sin. And let us do as we please, because that's what our sinful self wants, to be in control. That kind of Lord and King would get lots of votes. But that kind of Lord and King cannot and will not save. That Lord and King has no answer to Hosanna, save us now. Except maybe to say, what you see and what you have on your own, that's what you get. Nothing more, nothing less. It's simple pride that waves that palm branch. And simple pride has nothing to celebrate. So what kind of Lord and King is Jesus? What kind of revolutionary parade garners our participation? And what does his kingdom look like? 
We are all tempted to make or remake Jesus into anything or anyone that works for us. We're all, we enter most relationships with these preconceived notions about what to expect. But Jesus, our Lord and King, he promptly turns the tables on us. It's God's great reversal. And how is that? Well, we see what Jesus does for us. He washes the feet of his disciples, the task of a slave. He searches for that one lost sheep, the task of a lowly shepherd. He runs to his son and wipes the, pe- the, the pig feet off of him and celebrates the lost has now been found. The joy of a loving father. He's whipped and scourged, mocked, denied, betrayed, abandoned, and nailed to a cross, proclaiming he is the son of God, just to claim us as his own for eternity. He volunteers to be executed for the crimes that we have committed that we are deserving of death for, just to be our Lord and King. This Lord and King counted nothing as too much to give in order to accomplish the purpose to win our redemption from sin, death, and the grave. This is the Lord and King for whom we wave our palms. But there is a cost to following Jesus. It costs us our sin. It costs us our former way of life that only leads to death. But his lordship isn't forced upon us. And because of that, it may even seem weak because his lordship allows us to live our lives in free will. But by waving our palm branches in worship today, it is truly revolutionary, life-changing. Because your life cannot stay the same. Your lifestyle, your calendar, your priorities, your habits, your marriage, your choice of friends, your use of the internet, your families, your use of time, talents, and treasures. It cannot be the same when Jesus is your Lord and King. And by the grace of God, it does not. He sees you at your worst and he still goes to the cross for you. Completing his redemption for you to be his own. And he did it all, and he continues to do it all, out of his love for you. Because of that, there is no burden, whether that's cancer or surgery, finances, relationships, whatever it may be. There's no burden too heavy, no task too lowly, no assignment too difficult to be undertaken by your Lord and King, who loves you. He loves you so much that he went to the cross for you. That's where his love for you is settled, once and for all, on the cross. And that's why we wave palm branches today. Because this is, again, no flowery yearly reenactment. It's a statement of faith. It's a statement of faith that in our Lord and King, we have one who answers our hosannas. Who answers our cries of Hosanna, save us now, as no one else can and no one else does. And that's, again, that's important because our simple nature cries out Hosanna to so many different things. We look for so many other things to save us rather than, than Christ. 
who look to the things of this world. And the problem with all those things is they cannot save. They will not save. It's important, again, then why we're gathered here. Why we continue to gather here around God's great gifts of word and sacrament. And turning to Christ and turning to his cross, for we realize and we know that only he answers our hosannas with what we truly need. He saves us now and for all eternity through his life, death, and resurrection for us. Amen. At this time, I invite forward the Sunday school children as they share with us a hymn that they've been learning in Sunday school. 